Pod is a ministry of Grace Church Greenwich. For more resources to help you get to know God better through his word, including bite-sized theology and answers to big questions, do check out www.greenwich.church. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Grace Pod. We're looking at Mark chapter 4 and Jesus speaking in parables. And they're some of the best known stories of Jesus of, of all and something lots of us did in RE lessons at school. Although my teacher was wrong because <laughs> when I was at school, my teacher said Jesus talks in parables so that people can understand it. And that's almost exactly the opposite of the reason that he says he uses parables. Do you want to kick us off? Yeah, so we, there's a strange bit. Jesus starts telling a story then he does an interlude, I think it's verses 10 to 12, and says why he's telling a story, and then he explains the story. And the interlude, he says, um, when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. He said, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, says those categories in around or the outside everything is in parables just if people haven't listened to the last podcast recently we recorded it just now but if, if it was last week you listened to it we saw at the end of chapter three these two groups geographically people outside the house who think jesus mad those inside the house listening to him and we saw that geographically the insiders and the outsiders are spiritually the insiders and outsiders and so jesus, the same groups yeah. jesus is using that same geography again and he's saying there's an inside and an outside and one of the points of the parables, verse 12, say that they, the outsiders, may indeed see but not perceive, may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So he's saying that parables have a sort of divisive, deliberately filtering effect, um, and it will either draw people in or, or push them out. Now, these words are so strange, but you might just have to pause on them because people may not hear them right. Isaiah said, so the quote from Isaiah in parables so that they may not perceive and may not understand otherwise they might be forgiven so just to absolutely spell it out god doesn't want people to be forgiven if they understood the gospel they would be forgiven so he doesn't want them to understand the gospel this is very shocking because i thought god wanted everyone to understand and and i think looking a little bit about the context in isaiah gives us some help so the quotation you just read is from Isaiah 6. It's a famous bit. Um, Isaiah in the temple and he, um, he sees a vision of God. and Holy, 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 that bit. Yeah, and then um, he, has his, uh, he, he says, woe is me, and then he's cleansed. And then he's commissioned with this terrible um, job, which is you, you're to go out, but you, you'll be a failure. Um, in fact, um, everything you do, it'll be like they're blind and deaf and you won't get the message f- through but the key thing is that Isaiah 6 is not the beginning of the book as you can yes. kind of guess it's it comes after five chapters describing a people who refuse to turn to him again and again woe is you know it's a fight, there's a series of woes um, on the people because of the way they've been treating God and chapter 5 verse 20 of Isaiah is particularly resonant with Mark woe to those who call evil good and good evil he put darkness for light and light for darkness. He put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Now, this is very, very closely parallel to what's happened in Mark's gospel, right? So people have seen the work of God and Jesus at the beginning is very open about his message to everybody. And they see him drive out demons and they said, you are demon possessed. You're doing this by the power of Satan. And way to those he called evil good and good evil. 
So it's it's kind of a judgment of God that revelation can be withdrawn. It's not a right to have access to God's truth. And if we show contempt for it, God withdraws it. And that's what's happening here. You, you've had your chance, Pharisees. You've consistently rejected me. I'm now withdrawing um, access to my truth. And that's why pa- and parables, and we think they're stories that are easy to understand. But actually, if you have the parable without the explanation, all you hear is a story about about agriculture. Jesus tells you a farmer goes out and somebody's seed goes on the path and gets eaten by birds and somebody gets scorched by the sun and somebody gets shaked by thorns and other gets a harvest. And that's that's literally all you know. <laughs> so instead yeah. of Jesus telling you about God, he's telling you about farming and that's all you can tell. Unless you come and ask. Yeah, and, and that's um, how the division happens. So for those on the inside, the secret of the kingdom of God is given and they press in and they want to know, and Jesus gives them the explanation in the in the following verses. So that we see, even as Jesus is speaking, how this filtering is going on. There's some who just go, "Oh, nice story," and walk off, and some who go, oh, "I really want to understand that," and press in. Um, and I think it's encouraging as well. Uh, like it's initially disturbing because we think, "Wow, um, it's not as we anticipated. It's not just." Um, Jesus trying to be as clear as he can to each person as much as he can but then um, he he does give us reassurance do you want to help us with verse 22 onwards yeah I think we I think we misunderstand this often because we take the image that we know from the Sermon on the Mount and we assume Jesus is using it the same way so in the Sermon on the Mount Jesus talks about not hiding a lamp under a bowl but on a putting it on a stand and the point there is let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds. So we think, okay, um, lights on stands is about Christians living publicly as Christians. And I think here it's the same illustration, but Jesus is using it for a different thing because he says, is a lamp to be put under a basket or on a stand? Nothing is hidden except be made manifest. Nothing is secret except to come to light. Now here in the context, the secret thing has been the kingdom of heaven and it's been hidden by parables. But it's just a reassurance that even though Jesus is concealing it, hiding it from people, the, God's ultimate intention is to make it known. He doesn't. He didn't get the lamp of the kingdom just about under a bowl. But so in the Sermon on the Mount, it's what we should do. In here, it's what God Himself does. God doesn't want to hide things. Ultimately, He much prefers to let them shine. And so it comes with an invitation. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Pay attention to what you hear. God wants to reveal it to you. If you won't listen, he'll hide it from you. And that he who has ears to hear is, he's not talking physically, is he? He's, he's saying, um, if you are able, um, if, you, if you feel within you an instinct to want to understand, don't suppress that. Um, press into it and you'll get more. There's, a, there's an upward spiral and a downward spiral. And um, there's, a, there's a sense in which when God's word comes to us, it, it's a judgment day and we're being we're being pushed in one direction or another each time and Jesus is saying well make sure that each time it comes to you if you've got ears and you can respond then make sure you do I'm just laughing because we I had a Christian teacher for A-level chemistry I wasn't a Christian at the time but I remember him teaching us Markovnikov's rule which is about I can't even remember what it is but it's about how you add a um 
across a double bond, I think. Anyway, some chemists listening to this will know. But he taught it with verse 25. To the one who has, more will be given. To the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And so we all learnt these words from the Bible, like subversively, without without being Christians. But um, So I always think of that. But the point here is not about where hydrogen atoms go in the reaction. It's where it's where faith goes, or where understanding goes. Understanding goes to the people who already treasure and welcome the understanding they've already got and understanding is taken away from people who despise or sit light to the understanding they've already got um this is a real challenge isn't it because it just tells us that knowledge of jesus is not static it's either going to increase or decrease it won't stay the same and so when we come to a bible study if you come listening and being eager you'll know jesus better if you come without an interest or indifferent or spiritually cold, it's not even just that you won't learn anything. You'll actually lose the understanding that you had. Yeah. You see people on that trajectory, don't you? So when people don't suddenly stop being Christians or suddenly stop being at church, but it, it normally starts with a little bit of distance or a little bit of, I'm not quite so keen on Bible study as I was and I won't make it quite every time. And, it, and this is, I think this is this in action. Jesus warns you that the less you listen, the less you'll be able to listen. The more you'll listen, the more you'll, the more capacity you'll have to listen. If you start putting your fingers in your ear, the voice will get quieter and then eventually silent. Mm. You can't hear it at all. Mm. Um, so let, let's, um, with that in mind, let's listen in and hear what Jesus does teach um, in this parable. And um, I guess the first thing we notice is that... Uh, well, the parable of the sow, you mean the first one? Yeah, it's a story about a guy going out to sow some seed falls and it goes in four different places. So there's a path, it's rocky, it's thorns or it's good soil and there's four different outcomes, three of which are bad. Uh, either it gets snatched if it's on the path or it springs up and is scorched or it gets choked. And one out of the four, it's a wonderful, wonderful kind of 30, 60, 100 fold harvest. Um and Jesus tells us how to understand it. Well, he tells those who listen, the disciples, those around him, he tells us how to understand it. He tells us what the seed is. It's the word of God. And he tells us who the different soils are. They're all people. Um, um, or they're yeah, seeds in different in different contexts, different people. Um, he doesn't tell us who the sower is. And I guess it could be Jesus because he's teaching it. It could be the, the apostles as the message goes out. It, it could be us. Um, as we pass on the gospel. So it it says something to us as hearers of the word. It also says something to us as speakers of the word. Like it, it's of an encouragement to our evangelism to know that even Jesus, the best evangelism in the world, had mixed results. Yeah. So as hearers, it, it's, um, it, it's telling us to listen carefully because the word will divide us. How we respond will show what kind of soil we are. So we should be careful. And as speakers of the word... It kind of sets our expectations so we don't have to worry, oh, someone was rejected, I think I need to change my methods. Mm. And Jesus goes, no, no, seed was fine, just keep going with that seed and then eventually you'll hit some good soil. And then when you do, it will be really, really worth it. Um, So as speakers, it kind of puts fire in your belly to keep going amidst opposition. Now, one of the things about these four different types of soil... Um, or the first one's not even soil, is it? it's just a path, but um, they 
the first one that gets immediately eaten by birds, it doesn't go anywhere. Satan comes and snatches away the word. So I think this is, you know, the gospel meeting where he goes one in, one out the other ear. He hasn't even registered or someone doesn't even come to the evangelistic meeting. They just, they're not interested. So we're kind of used to that. That's a complete rejection. The, the slightly frightening thing about soils two and three is that the seed germinates in both cases, but doesn't make it to the harvest. So this is a real warning, I think. This is somebody who likes the gospel when they hear it, but then something happens that means they don't make it all the way to harvest day. And it's two different kinds of things. So one is when it, things go badly. Um, so verse 17, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, they fall away. So what happens here is, are they like, like the Christian teaching and then they realise there's a social cost and they get ostracised or they find out their family don't receive it well and that's it, they they, they ch- chuck it in. But then the other ones, it's not so much uh, things going badly as things going well. Um, do you want to talk about that? Verse 19. Yeah, the, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things shake the word. There's three things there, aren't there? The cares or the anxieties of the world. You know, we're all worried about things. Um, the desires for other things, you know, we're, we're distracted, our, our head is turned. And the middle one, the deceitfulness of riches. I mean, just that little phrase, it's not just wealth, but the deceitfulness of wealth. So there's something about wealth that lies to you. And I guess it, you know, it lies to you about security. This makes you safe. Um, it lies to you about blessing. This is the way to blessing. And we get distracted by a lie. And I think this is a big thing in our culture, isn't it? We're so prosperous, even compared with Jesus' day. You know, the whole of the population of the UK is would be ultra-rich by ancient Israel standards. And it just deceives us. Maybe that's why Britain is so hard-hearted to the gospel, but parts of Africa where people have almost nothing are so open to it because we just think wealth is the key to my future and it's not that's a lie so yeah it's a warning it could be that you you're in trouble it could just be that your life's going well you get a promotion work demands more of you you get more money and and gradually those things distract you from from the kingdom Mm. and the um so this big parable about the seeds it's it's talking about how God's word is not faulty. We we think something's gone wrong when people reject, but it's deliberately divisive. It, it's exposing different kinds of soils. Um, but then there's these other two seed parables, and they major on not, not so much the divisive aspect of the word, but the transforming aspect. Do you want to talk about that? Well, that I think that's what they've all got in common, isn't it? So there's different details in each seed parable, but the outcome is always brilliant. <laughs> so... I mean, even I like to do the maths, but Jesus says the seed that is in good soil, it's only one, it's a quarter of the seed, maybe assuming that they're evenly proportioned, but it generates 30, 60, 100 fold what's sown. So at the very minimum, that's a seven times increase, you know, a quarter of the seed grows 30 times. So don't be discouraged by the seed that gets that's unfruitful because there's enough left for a huge harvest that's the first one second one i call it the parable of the lazy farmer because i know farmers aren't lazy but the one in jesus story is he just plants some seed or scatters some seed goes to bed and then suddenly there's a harvest and it's like there's nothing in between and the whole point is and it's a huge harvest and it, um uh 
the harvest has come. He he hasn't had to do anything, and he doesn't even know how it's happened, because the seed, the earth produces by itself, says Jesus. And I think this is. I mean, I've I've experienced this that you have the chance to share the gospel with somebody or someone hears the gospel and then you hear nothing from them for a year. And then the next time you meet them, they're a Christian. <laughs> How did that happen? And, and preachers love the example, it's the Martin Luther quote where the whole of Europe gets overturned and there's this incredible um, <laughs> reformation and then they, they say, Luther, what happened? How did you do this? And he goes, oh, it's just the word did it. Um, when he, he goes, the word did it, and, and, and all I did was drink beer, basically. Melanchthon and I, we, we drank Wittenberg beer, and the word did the work. And and I'm sure he did, you know, work hard. But he's he's reflecting, I think, on this parable that once the word gets within a society or within a human heart, it has this incredible transforming effect. It takes time, but it is world transforming. And the third one is the same sort of point, but this time it's about the size. So the, the mustard seed is the smallest seed on the earth, but it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. A tiny seed becomes a huge tree, and the point here is small beginnings. I mean, it's literally true, isn't it? Jesus starts with 12 apostles. One of them betrays him. He's down to 11, and now there's like a billion Christians in the world. I mean, it's just it's demonstrably true throughout history that what looks tiny becomes huge. Yeah, and the image of um, large branches, birds of the air making nests in its shade is, is probably taken from Ezekiel, where there's this one tree that the will king of Tyre have dominance. Um, and so it, it gives the sower great confidence. So yes, there's going to be delay. That's the point about farming. It's, it takes a long time. you just got to, you know, go to bed, leave it there, trust. Um, it's going to be a lot of disappointment. Um, but eventually this incredible dramatic harvest so just in terms of applications of this chapter once again we're finding warning and encouragement it's almost like Mark every time gives you the choice of the two so if if we're not listening we need to be really warned don't assume that just because the seed germinated it will produce a harvest and the less we listen the less we'll understand so it might be, you know, some, if you're, I mean, I guess the fact you're listening to this podcast means you're keen to listen at one, one level, but we all ought to be just careful that we don't find ourselves putting distance between ourselves and the words of Jesus. But the encouragement that the more we listen, the more by itself, inevit- you know, without, we don't know how, it's just it's growing, growing, growing in us and the harvest will be huge in us and in others. Yeah. I have to say this, particular passage has had a big impact on me personally when I was thinking about the possibility of um, church work and I the tradition I was in I thought church work was about enthusing and fizzing and I thought if I tried that I would just run out of steam because I couldn't keep it up and then a preacher explained this passage and just said you just got to keep putting in seeds it's and it, it became a doable task there wasn't kind of any fizz or magic to it it was um just keep uh, putting Jesus' words into people's lives and it will have this effect. And it made a huge impact on me because I thought, oh, this is something that isn't impossible. I could, this is something I could give myself to. Thank you for listening to Grace Pod. For more information about Grace Church Greenwich, visit www.greenwich.church.